My next guest is the amazing Tanya Khan. She proves that persistence really does pay off as she's had her dance studio for 31 years and has gone on to create a national program called B Street Crew. She's passionate about supporting boys and uplifting them through dance. And in our interview, we explore why she's so passionate about males in the dance space. She's also created an amazing event which she has run for several years called Connect, a festival celebrating and uplifting boys in dance. She not only has the B Street crew, but launched it during a pandemic. And we're gonna talk about what that was really like for Tanya. So buckle up, let's go with the amazing dance enthusiast, Tanya Khan. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lankuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Hello and welcome, the beautiful Tanya Khan. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you going? I'm pretty good. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here. Yeah, and you're in lockdown, right? So yes, how's that? I've been for a bazillion years. Feels like, yeah, it's it. You know, it's the roller coaster that everybody's talking about. Having two businesses and consistently kind of pivoting and adapting, and um, it's it takes a lot of creative uh, effort, and it's quite exhausting actually. But yes, challenging and meeting those challenges at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I notice um, on Facebook, obviously, we're, we're Facebook friends, and I always see you doing these beautiful poses on the beach, very inspiring. <laughs> so you must feel lucky to at least have that sort of as your locale, yeah? You get to. It's not. It's not. Oh, it's I don't. Not. I live um, too far away from the beach. I haven't been able to go to the beach. It's my one thing that really has been. Um, it's a stress reliever, um, but I haven't been able to go to the beach. I actually, one of my hobbies is um, uh, photography of waves and swells and things, um, and I haven't been able to do that. I've been vicariously watching on Surfline. Oh. <laughs> uh, my, my, but all my family live in Queensland, so they oh. they live, uh, mum and dad live on the beach, so um yes that that is where I get my um my family feel and also my spiritual feel from the beach but uh yeah I haven't been able to get it well hopefully Wait, a couple of weeks we'll be free it's, in Sydney to hopefully get there so 
Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, look, yeah. now I know that, um, you know, I've read, I've read a little bit about you, what you've sent through, and you've been running your studio for a very, very long time. Um, yeah. 31 years or something, yeah. something crazy like that. Yeah. How did you start your dance journey? Like how did oh. you begin for Tanya? Um, I always loved dance. I've not known a time where I've never loved it, but uh, it's take it's gone on a little evolution. Started when I was five because I couldn't start any earlier. Um, my background is in ballet, and mm. I did ballet full time um, at an elite level, and then realised that um, I started hating it because I was doing it so much, and it became really way too way too serious I thought I wanted to be a ballet dancer but I didn't and then I did a year of full-time at Ross Coleman studio uh, that was 1985 or 86 and uh, it was just it was like the fame school back then yeah beautiful big studios in the city and then that closed down uh, just due to I think poor financial management and then I got an agent and I did a lot of acting work uh, and uh, travelled with a theatre restaurant show and uh, loved being in the commercial dance world and that was kind of, um, and but also got lots more acting work. Yeah. Uh, and I think, my, I think it was because of my agent was an acting agent anyway. But um, I loved that. But I realised uh, after a contract was cancelled and uh, I still had to kind of pay the bills that, I thought I love dance teaching. I'd done some kind of student dance teaching and I thought, let let's let's give this a go. So I started teaching for other people and then was offered kind of a partnership in part of a studio and uh at Double Bay at the time. And I was like, you know what? I could do this closer to home and uh and do it myself. So I started my studio in 1990 and uh it was it was a whole different world back then no social media all the advertising was in the local papers or pamphlet drops or people you knew uh, but it it's been a wonderful journey um I ran the business with my ex-husband um kind of downsized um before I had my daughter and it's been an evolution ever since that as well um you know raising my daughter kind of in the studio um and then starting my boys program from, you know, the ground up and realising how the dance industry and I needed to begin advocating for boys in dance. So that's kind of where I, I realised that there was a massive, massive hole in the market for really providing good quality dance education and caring dance education for boys. Um, yeah, and so now I'm way more into breaking and hip hop than I am into ballet. I don't actually even offer <laughs> ballet at my studio, isn't it? it? It is, but and yet, if you know breaking and you know hip hop, and you know that it, I was talking to somebody about this the other day that people think they're chalk and cheese, but in actual fact, there is such an ingrained technique with ballet that mm. is uh, aids in the execution of of you know fairly flawless technique, but it's also the same in breaking where you've got to have that strength and the ability and the flexibility to mm. be able to do uh you know and, and the perseverance and determination to get some of the bigger power moves that the breakers get so yeah I'm very much more comfortable in that 
in that side of things now. After 31 years running a studio and being in the dance space, what what actually really keeps you motivated? Like, obviously, especially during this time, how do you keep, um, you know, positively pursuing and, and growing your business? It's the kids. Yeah. I love them. I just love them. And, you know, it's I love their creativity. I love their um, their ability to connect to uh to music and really that has been that's it's saved me um as a person from so many instances and it's not placing responsibility on kids to keep me happy but it is I love dance I absolutely love it I will never experience a time in my life where I'm not doing it even if I'm confined to a wheelchair I'll like I'll just I'll do this. Yeah. Um, that, that's me as the 90-year-old woman in the nursing home. I'll just be like this, um, <laughs> bopping along. But that's me, it. Yep. Yeah. So it's really my love of, of providing an opportunity for kids and really helping them to come into their own as little creative beings and also dance, just, just dance itself. Um, I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, especially during these times, you really do have to tap into your why. Obviously, with COVID, um, it's affected the dance industry quite heavily mm. and any service-based business, really. Yeah. Uh, what have you done to sort of innovate and keep going during, you know, this whole COVID-19 period? That's a really good question, actually. And I, it all comes back to connection. So at its core what I'm doing with my students on Zoom is really um, drilling down to the connection and how can I connect with them differently to being in the studio face-to-face and 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 having their full energy, you know, like yeah. Zoom, there's there's pets, there's literally pets jumping on kids while they're while they're <laughs> doing their class, um, running around, you know, I think the connection, keeping them connected. And them connected to each other, connected to their the, their enjoyment of dance, and also keeping it fun and lighthearted. So that's a learning along the way that um, the connection and also the fun is uh, well, especially because the majority of classes I have uh, in lockdown on Zoom are boys. Yeah. So it's having that um, the ability to connect with them so they stay engaged. And they also uh, have fun, and they connect with each other. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I've I've boiled it down to. And I think it's really interesting because, um, like you, you've basically said that you've adapted your classes mm. to an online platform, and I think that is where people are going wrong in the studio space, not adapting, but not adapting to a different platform. So you can't run the same class you did in person online and if you attempt that (laughs) it just doesn't work and I think you know I've experienced that through my own programming and classes that I provide online we've actually had quite reasonably good retention I mean last lockdown was 40% retention which was not that great but this Mm. lockdown's been 70% and we've learned so much and just from what you've said it's so true Mm. Um, it's about having fun it's about connection and it's about um, yeah just delivering it differently yeah 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 and I think the the adapting um, if we if we really have 
an essence of us as creative beings, as studio owners and dance teachers and teachers in the performing arts, if we tap into that little pool, that little resource of, okay, well, that's not working. Let's try something new. Let's, you know, let's let's pull our resources with other studio owners as well. So mm. I've appreciated the connection with other studio owners and the advice and tips and, and everything that, that have been given to me too. Yes. So remaining connected with our industry is important, I think, as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, now, you mentioned earlier about your passion for boys in dance um, and you've got what you call the B Street crew. Tell us about that. What is B Street crew? So I'll backtrack just quickly to how I kind of came about or came upon this. I have been teaching boys, specific boys classes for about 14 years and in that time the, the classes have grown and they've grown because there has been some special stuff that has happened in those classes along the way. And I've been very much listening and talking to the boys about what's made it work, what they enjoy. And I also um, uh, seven, eight years ago began a degree in counselling and coaching. And as I was studying that degree, I did a lot of... um, crossover stuff so I was actually applying a lot of those skills to my classes and realized that there was like stuff that was bubbling around like oh this is working really well um and then kind of gravitated towards that and in the meantime 2016 I started connect boys dance events um I felt a responsibility because I taught more so many boys and there were so many boys isolated in their own studios that I I thought okay let's do an event where we can bring boys together and not just have like a normal kind of dance convention where they have, you know, back-to-back workshops, but to have some social stuff happening because that's what I was studying and realising that building relationships and rapport with people helped connect them. So um, we started connecting or I started connecting 2016 and it's we we had um, being a, an event, yes. Yeah? So an yes. event specific yeah. for boys to come together and dance. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's a day. What the way that we put it forward is a day of support, connection, inspiration, and fun, um, building new friends. So I wanted boys to come together to be with each other for a day and just and we did we we did workshops performances icebreaker activities and those boys that you know have been attending we didn't get to do one last year but the boys who've been attending oh, we did it we did it just before lockdown the weekend before lockdown this year and it's still you know the boys attending that attended the first ones and they're they're mates and they support each other because when you've got but, uh, you know, when you normalise boys dancing and they're together, then those that go away and they're still being relentlessly bullied boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't believe me when I say that. They are still being relentlessly bullied because they dance. And so when they come together and see that dance is normal in the environment at Connect, then that's when they go back and they've built up this this kind of strength and this resilience to go back and go, yeah, it's normal, you know, say what you want but I'm going to keep dancing. So, and keeping it lighthearted and keeping it socially focused. So anyway, but I was doing that and I was like, this is great, but I still, it still wasn't helping to get more boys in studios. So 
then I decided and was, you know, by our mutual friend, friend Jane Gretsch, yeah. She would she would message me going, "What do I do in my boys' classes?" I'm like, "Okay, I'll just film a video of you, of of the of my boys doing this, and you could teach her that." So we sort of, and I'd been saying to her, "I'm going to put a boys' program together," and I've been saying it to a lot of people. You know, at, I, I did a um, a talk at VDF a few years ago and talking about boys' dance, and I was like, "No, I've got to I've got to do this." So yeah. that's how it that's how it began. Also. The push was I've got a daughter, so I've got one child, and she has played soccer since she was four. Tiny little thing in those mass in those massive yeah. soccer jerseys, <laughs> and um, she's been playing and still was playing this year until um, lockdown. And when she was, I think about twelve, I was I was standing as a soccer mom, as they say, yeah. on the side of the field, and I was like, there are like six fields around here all with girls playing soccer all normal nobody's standing at the sideline going oh look at those girls playing soccer and making you know judgments and stereotypes about them they were just supporting them watching them playing soccer and I thought this is wrong it's wrong that girls are playing soccer and AFL and cricket and and that there aren't more boys in dance studios and and it was like why and I had to actually ask myself why is this happening? What? Why aren't boys flocking to dance studios? Like, what's going on? So I came up with some answers. Having talked to people, they there's the teachers. Um, they think that to teach boys, you need a male dance teacher. So it's finding consistently good teachers. Uh, they didn't know what to teach boys. Um, they were concerned about all the energy that boys have. They weren't sure that the environment was right for them, you know, to, to come into the environment, whether they'd feel comfortable. Mm. So teaching choreography and costumes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, all right, it's time. Let's do it. Let's put it yeah. together. And so last year I launched it during lockdown. Um, yes, very brave. Yes. It was, but it, it, yeah, thank you. It was like an overdue baby. It needed to come out and it <laughs> needed to happen. Yeah. I love that, an overdue yeah. baby. Oh, yes. God. I think, I think uh, the pandemic definitely brought forth many overdue babies. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Yeah. I think also because it's sort of, uh, it was, I mean, this had been coming for years and because the last lockdown I had terrible internet connection and I couldn't actually do Zoom lessons um, and, and it, I had to do all pre-recorded material. So I, uh, that was exhausting as well, but did it, but then actually really sat down and did this. And one of the things with B Street Crew, I will read you um, what it is because it expresses it very succinctly. It's an innovative new street dance program designed to ignite engagement, connection and inspiration and support studios in growing their boys' dance programs. B Street Crew has a unique approach, a physical and social focus with the intention to engage boys, promote consistency, nurture community and build retention. So... That is what B Street Crew is. It's delivered, it's a program delivered on Thinkific, the learning platform, and it's for studio owners to purchase, but they're teachers. And it, it, the wonderful thing is it can be taught by anyone. Yeah, so I tell people. To be a dude to teach dudes. No, no, no. And I try <laughs> and let people know that we don't, yeah. as parents, we don't go to the school and say, oh, 
I want that female teacher to teach my daughter because she needs a good female role model. Same as boys don't go to the school and say, I want that male teacher to teach my son because he needs a good male role model. We need passionate, committed, um, curious teachers to engage that love of learning in our children. So that's why I say to people, if you've got good teachers, they can teach this program. I'm 53 and I teach breaking and, and like people like have a little scoff at that. I do. Um, I teach this. <laughs> I teach that. this content. I have wonderful. I've developed some great assistant teachers over the years, and you know they do a lot of the physical stuff that I can't do. But the wonderful thing is, is what I've done with B Street Crew is even if the teachers can't do, you know, some of the moves, um, we've video. We've got videos in the content, so we just go. You can just show your students here. Try this. <laughs> and that's the way they do it and I think that the most important part with the B Street Crew program we give part of it is uh, you get a studio audit um, which looks at your studio environment and your marketing and you know things that people possibly don't think about because studios have been so female orientated over the years that they don't realize that in their marketing they've got all girls and they I try to be mindful of that I must admit um but you know even my I know my nephews when they were young they were dancing and they were the only boys in the class and then they actually left all of my nephews all of them three all three nephews ended up leaving and they were all at different studios um and it was because they were like oh mum I'm the only boy in the class like I just I just don't want to do it anymore, you know. Yeah. Actually went into high school and just felt like that they'd be teased and they didn't want to deal with that. So they just gave it up, you know. Yeah. And that's, I think, why part of of the importance of this uh, is the social approach that um, is kind of the backbone of the program. I have gorgeous senior boys. Um, They are... I call them my senior boys. They they range from year five through to year 12. And most of the boys that I teach have been with me for five to 10 years. Um, They're the ones that come through and they're in high school or the ones who are in year seven. um, They're in high school and they are, they are, their dance class provides them with a safe space that they can be themselves. And they've told me this. I haven't said, oh, this is your safe space. I ask them, I say, why do you stay? And they open up about how they can be themselves. They've got a great social group. There's other boys. So this is why, and this is part of the learning for me was that it was more than just the moves. It's all about the social environment. At the moment for boys, as you said, they need to feel like they're part of a community. They're a part of an environment that is for them, not just a boy going to a, a studio that has girls, but there are a studio for boys and girls. Yeah. And this is where we really need to kind of get past. And the four core components that I have, which are engage, challenge, inspire, and connect, they are the four core components that are the sort of the secret source that are the backbone and drive the whole program. Why do you think people are so uncomfortable with boys dancing? Like what really is it? Do you think it's about, um, you know, it means that they're challenging their sexuality or what exactly is it, do you think? It's what I call, uh, I've, I've termed it residual stigma. So you often find that 
you know, even if parents are happy for their sons to go to a dance class, um, and this is earlier on because, the, you know, oftentimes when they're the preschoolers, the parents will just go, dance is going to be good for you. Or if once the boys are older, they get to choose for themselves before they've been introduced to all that stigma. But it's oftentimes I find that, um, it is the, like the random uncle or the, you know, the work colleague who said, oh, your son dances. And then all of a sudden there's this little, this residual stigma that's kind of sparked. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting way beyond it, I know now, but there is still, it's still hanging around this, this thought of like, oh, should he? And the way that it's alleviated is that there are more boys in studios, that it is normalised and that it, you know, there is, even if there is one class that is strong and that parents see at the end of your show and they go, oh, my God, I love boys dancing, you know, whatever it is, whatever our genre they're actually doing, it's really, really important that we have, we, we really get, we squash that residual stigma and turn around and say, you know, to the random uncle who goes, oh, it should be playing rugby because they're still out there, those people. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, really, really, you know, people challenging that. And the more we challenge that saying, okay, you're at, you know, 1970 called and want want your attitude back um because they're really (laughs) you know and that that's the thing it's outdated views they're out totally yeah totally yeah yeah so i think that's it yeah okay cool um you know you mentioned before about your um your is it annual event connect yes annual um has that continued during covid did you bring that virtual or or no okay what was the decision behind not bringing that to a virtual festival it was actually the boys themselves. So we uh, we had a Melbourne event in um, March of 2019. So we went to Melbourne. Melbourne loved us. It was so great. They embraced Connect with open arms and I absolutely love the Melbourne dance community. Um, but it was decided that it, it, I think part of the not having it in 2020 was me asking the community, what do you feel? And the, the, the thing was is that, A, the venue said, no, you can't do it. So that was us being kind of shut down from the venue onwards. Then it was um, we rescheduled it and even then um, the restrictions kind of squashed us and the the we have it in June usually at the end of June or mid to end of June and we'd rescheduled to, to August and it just, it just, there's, you know, there's there's competitions and there's other things that happen in the other parts of the year um, for boys to be able to attend and they said, no, we're happy to leave it till next year. So that's what we did. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that um, virtual programs in your space, like in the, you know, the dance class space and, and that sort of genre are sustainable long-term? Do you think that people want to continue online and are willing to? Uh, that's a really interesting question and that's something I've been thinking about programs moving forward, mm. um, remaining online with some and then you, it's it's really it's this space of like ooh, uh, I actually think uh, for for um, my dance classes that definitely better in person, 
Um, but I have to say that, you know, you would have experienced this and all studio owners would have experienced this. Parents who are, are basically saying, no, we don't want any more screens, so we're not doing classes until we're back face-to-face, even though you think, well, there's a lot more to a dance class than a screen. However, however, um, respected their values and their thoughts on that. But at the same time, I've discovered that there are children who are thriving in our Zoom classes. And, and the more we, you know, the more I've got to know what they enjoy and how they're progressing and what they're really engaging with online. I'm, you know, if we have to keep doing it for a little while, I know that the kids that I do have are going to keep thriving. However, there is the <laughs> there is the component of kids who you like, they just, they're off, they're gone. You're like, where did they go? Um, and it's not yeah. internet connection. They're just, you know, they're kids oh, yeah. who just reach there like, we can't do it anymore, and they go. Um, so I think I love the idea of, of having um, some different programs online and offering them to people who may even, I'm um, thinking about people's mental health. I, I teach adults as well, adult hip-hop, and people who can't get to a class or who are experiencing some anxiety around actually being back with people or vaccines or hesitancy in just coming back out, I think um, a soft approach in kind of getting back could also be an answer. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's going to definitely be more of a hybrid model mm. moving forward for for all types of studios and even any type of service-based business. I think people mm. have really... Um, looked at it differently and have discovered new ways of doing business. So Mm. I think Mm. that they may be a flow on from that for sure. Yeah. Um, What would you say to anyone that was wanting to enter the dance space? Like if they were a dance teacher or a dance enthusiast that said, I'm going to open a studio, I'm going to start running programs, what what advice would you give them? Oh, uh, I definitely, I definitely encourage them to, uh, work out their why um, yeah. to say you need to to do the work beforehand now. I mean, me being the 20-year-old like, yeah, let's start a dance studio in 1990 going, woohoo, let's do it. But then going, whoa, you know, as a business owner now, there is so much more to it and being I think it's do your work, do your homework, do your courses that are available in business, um, work out your why, um, do it in a manner that is um, ethical and considerate of other business owners around you and uh, keep in touch with other business owners, stay, have a, have a, a, a group whether it's a network or a group of people that you stay attached to and in touch with um, that either mentor you or lift you up or support you. Um, and if you're really, you know, if if your why is that you want to educate uh, kids or adults in dance and in the performing arts, then be prepared to... <laughs> Be prepared to have a few sleepless nights and you know a few a few struggles and hang in there. Yeah. If you're really if you're really in it for the long haul, then hang in there because it's so rewarding. You mentioned um, being ethical as well with other studio owners. I find that really interesting because there sort of is like a an unwritten rule of <laughs> a, a, a code of conduct. As yeah. Such. 
but it's unwritten, but it's known. I mean, what are some of those rules, do you think, that is just like the do's and don'ts as a studio owner when it comes well, I think, to being ethical? Yeah, I think because uh, originally I was one, I think, of two studios in my area 31 years ago mm. and we were running, you know, quite a way apart and we were fine. We were just doing our thing. And um, the other studio was a um, was attached to the local um, uh, club. There was a um, RSL club. And so they were sort of doing their thing with their dance and gymnastics and all sorts of things. And I came along and started dance action and it was like, cool, you know, we're doing our thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, at, at one point there was a studio because I've been hiring a hall for the last 31 years, um, a church hall that um, is like my home. Um, and they were hiring it out to this uh, to another studio who had obviously asked. I wasn't doing it sort of six days a week at that point. And it was like, oh. And so this studio was actually doing classes in the same hall. And I, I you know, I should I shouldn't have been shocked, but I was because I didn't get any consultation from the church at the time. It's like, oh, there's another studio, and so that and they they used to leave the studio filthy. They just there was wow. handprints on my mirrors and stuff, and rubbish left around. And I, even though it was sort of gently um, requested that they you know lift their game, they ended up moving into their own space and you know, very close by, took a lot of students and I kind of saw it later as a bit of a gift um, because it helped me hone in on what really what I could provide as a studio in comparison and, you know, had a little bit of the comparatonitis for, you know, a little while but then went, oh, you know, this is great as a business owner. So, I mean, part of that is, you know, not not setting up the studio down the road but people do that. And I think, you know, when it happens to you, if it happened to the person who set up this, they would they would be up in arms, you know. So I think because I'm an older dance studio owner, an older dancer, the ethics are upheld more so than perhaps um, people who are just like, oh, well, that studio, you know, I could get that studio space or I could rent that and, you know, nobody said you can't, so I'm doing it. Um and that, you know, there hasn't, I think we need to be considerate of each other and considerate of, um, of being, you know, communicating with each other mm. um, and, and having a unity rather than that separate kind of and, you're there. And it's a very different world, isn't it? I mean, from 31 mm. years ago, I imagine that the competition has changed. Oh. There'd be like... You like you said, you had your studio and someone a few suburbs down. Yeah. Whereas now there's like one on every corner, you know. Yes. Yes. And that has been, they've popped up. They've all popped up in their yeah. own little ways. And some have popped up and, and folded and some have popped up and then moved. And um, you know, there's sort of been this, and you know, I've had students who've started their own studios and bless them, they've started them um, you know, a little further away. Uh, but at the same time, I think if we're if we're really out to help our industry um, survive and evolve, then we need to be mindful of that because otherwise, there's this competitiveness that I absolutely hate uh, through competitions. I stopped, me stopped doing competitions a while ago, but then started doing them again because the kids wanted to. But um, 
the, the competitiveness in dance is really uh, has been, you know, and you see it in the US and on that terrible dance program, Dance Moms, and yeah. just uh, just the how that has been elevated to be, you know, this the picture of what dance is, and it's not. It's about nurturing, um, you know, our students' love of dance and the performing arts and and being great role models, uh, business role models, artistic role models. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, um, before we go, I have a couple of questions which I like to ask everyone. Firstly, yep. who inspires you? Oh, oh, that is, oh, it's changed so much. Mm. Um, oh, goodness me. I, it's a hard one to say because um, I, I tend to take a lot of my inspiration now um, as an older person from the latest book I read. So um, I am very much inspired by my daughter. Um, she's just recently had some difficult um, some difficult diagnosis of health diagnoses um, and her determination and perseverance, she's 24, mm. and her perseverance and determination to find ways to manage um, her new diagnosis has been nothing short of inspirational. Um, and I continue to be inspired by her. Um, but as professional and personal, it really is what I gravitate towards as far as the next um, audio book I listen to or book I read in regards to our brains, in regards to our habits, in regards to mental health, um, the way humans work, um, that's what drives me. So I'm inspired by that. I, th yeah. I think that's weird. I'm inspired by the ocean too. But No, that's not weird at all. That's beautiful. And obviously nature has some healing aspects for many, so I yeah. do get that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned um, it can be about the book you're reading as well. What are you reading at the moment? Oh, gosh, I'm listening to, I've been listening to Thrivers, um, which is talking about, yeah, uh, talking about how children thrive because uh, I'm aware that when we get back face-to-face -face, that there are going to be um, some mental health um, you know, challenges because yeah. my boys, um, well, boys' classes attract boys that are sometimes absolutely love music and engage with music so much but have attention challenges so um i'm aware that trying to understand children and what what engages them what helps them thrive that's a great book and also the one that i've just started is the source which is awesome talking about our brains and how to connect with um the source and and higher thinking stuff creativity yeah not all the way through that so Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yes. So what's next? What's next for Tanya? Ooh, oh, well, what's going to be Victorian Dance Festival and having a little <laughs> table at the Teacher's Day at Victorian Dance Festival telling everybody about how fabulous B Street Crew is. <gasps> so it's like every week there's something more. There's something more that you go, okay, cross that one off the list. Let's go. So what is next for, for me is to... Um, renew my marketing efforts for, well, renew, um, pivot with my marketing efforts for B Street Crew so that more people get in front of it and can can hear it and learn about it and be as passionate about normalising boys' dance as I am. Mm. And 
rebuilding my studio to a point at which I want to work in it now. And that's a work in progress. And I'm not sure whether it's just a pandemic. There's a they've, they've termed a word for pandemic something where you're rethinking life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I know from my experiences and, and, and I worked stupidly hard um, prior to, well, but stupidly hard terms one and two, trying to build my business back up. And I realized it was making me sick. I was not, I was not enjoying my, um, my, my life. Um, I've realized that cutting back, doing, you know, classes on Zoom, but also connecting with students and children and physically feeling much happier and much, much healthier, that my business is going to adapt and to be the way I really want it to be in 2022. So, yeah, that's what's to recognize, you know, when you are faced with those personal challenges of, you know, what you need to step back from, Mm -hmm. you can't always be in accelerator mode, you know, like sometimes you have to go, right, what's working for me and what isn't and, and maybe just letting that go, you know. Yeah, well, I think what part of part of my mindset has been because I've been a single parent for such a long time, mm-hmm. I've been in survival mode for a really long time. I've had to teach all the classes. I've had to kind of be the, the, the person who's done all of the things, not because it's a choice and I'm a control freak, although I am sometimes, <laughs> um, but it's been to support myself and my child to keep a roof over my head. So these are some of the, you know, I can feel that there are a lot of people not only in a situation where they need to build their businesses back up again or they may not have a roof over their heads, but also to try to, to find that balance between what I really want to be doing and really not want to be doing with my business um, in the future and what I need to do to also, you know, support myself. So, beautiful. yes. I love that. And I have to say before we go, have you? You look like you've been to the hairdresser. What is going on here? You look like you've got full balayage, layers, all the things. You are so sweet. Um, about let's say about seven, eight, nine years ago, um, I was in a really bad financial situation where I was newly divorced and um, in a you know trying to survive basically. So I learned how to color my hair. And I have been colouring my hair like everybody else is like colours out and I'm like, no, I do this myself I, I, and I take literally five minutes to curl it. It's it's my signature hairdo and this is what I do and I'm happy because what I can do it myself. Skill. What an amazing <laughs> skill to have in lockdown, for goodness oh, sakes. I'm, I'm so sorry. thankful. I'm so thankful for so many of the poor dance teacher, like <laughs> actually unfinancial dance teacher things that I've learned along the way. Yeah. Um, so I'm very grateful for the lessons I learned um, in survival mode, but survival mode is not always the best way to be, I've learned. So thank you, Joe. Um, <laughs> it, I do, I do, I do try and like, you know, try and I, I don't cut it myself, otherwise it'd be a disaster. But um it, you know, I'm not like the boys. Oh, some of the boys uh, the, some of the boys look like they could do literally, you know, full like um plaits in their hair or pigtails at the moment when I'm seeing them on Zoom, their hair's all everywhere. My son's hair is such a botch job. We we, I love but I love watching the botch jobs. The botch jobs are the best. (laughs) 
All right. Well, thank you so much for today. I've had an absolute blast. Um, now, you. if people want to find out more about you or what you do, where can they go? All right, so bstreetcrew.com um, is uh, my website and that will take you through, that will that will tell you all about B Street Crew and where you can purchase. We're on um, Instagram and Facebook, although our Instagram needs a bit of help with um, with, with a few things, but yeah. um, B Street Crew uh, on Facebook, we've got a page. Dance Action is my dance studio um, and we're on social media on Instagram and Facebook at the moment and also Connect Boys Dance Event is on Facebook and Instagram. We love supporting boys, boys of all genres uh, in on our um, Facebook and Instagram pages. Connect will be back in 2022. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yep, planned back in action and ready to, to go to other states when they open the border. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, well, thank you so much, Tanya. I've had an absolute blast. You take care. Thanks so much, Joe. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com and you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World and you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.